are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, my name is Andy and I go to Hope Church. I don't come from a Christian family, though I went to a church school which helped me understand the basics of the Christian faith. I worked in the Nottingham Medical School uh, and uh, was witnessed to in the corridor by a Christian who took the time out to uh, meet, meet me. At that time my life was very typical, going to nightclubs and pubs and things on Saturday nights. And uh, that carried on for many years, but uh, I realised that I had to get off the merry-go-round in some way. That was a, it, was a month, it was a Saturday and I was coming back from a work conference uh, from Sheffield, driving down the M1. And I remember crying out to the Lord. I was just uh, praying a very stumbly prayer, words to the effect that, Lord Jesus Christ, I need to know you better. I need to uh, do something about my, my life. Anyway, it was no longer than that. And uh, lo and behold, that same night, I saw this chap in a pub. We normally go to a pub and we started off in this pub. And literally, as soon as I opened the door, it was the first person that I saw. So we got talking. And I was ready to uh, find out about the Christian faith then, but I was, he invited me to something on the following night, and literally I was a Christian within 24 hours. <clears throat> After that time, my life changed quite dramatically, because I could understand the scriptures more clearly, and God revealed himself through the scriptures to me. I'm a creative person, and uh, the, near, the best thing I can do, really, is to get nearer to God by writing songs. And I get a lot of, uh, quite a buzz from doing that. There's a very close fellowship that comes out of creativity. God's given me hope that no matter what I'm going through, He is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. And the scripture says He will give me a future and a hope. But what about you? Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Well, thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your story. God has made a massive difference in Andy's life and in my life, and I know that he can make a massive difference in yours too. My name is Chris, and I'm so pleased to be gathering today in all our different homes uh, all around to carry on our series on Hope Matters. Certainly, bringing hope to people was what happened every time Jesus encountered individuals. And so we're looking at these encounters and throughout we're meeting these different individuals that Jesus met with and how he brought hope to them and why it matters to us today. Before I talk about uh, this morning's encounter, I just wanna share a little bit about me. When I first came to the UK, I came from a war-torn country. It was the Democratic Republic of Congo in 1991. During that season, there was militia and uh, military coups that meant that it was really dangerous to live there. My mother, who was a British-born citizen, was uh, encouraged to flee the country and go back to the UK, along with all the other uh, British uh, nationals who were in the country. 
we arrived with one suitcase and with my my brothers and and my mum just just us four uh, and we were located in Sheffield to begin with we were there for about three months whilst my mum looked for a job and she eventually found one in the south of England where she still lives even now while we're in Sheffield I remember um, going into uh, the local school there life was very different my brothers were at home with mum because they weren't at school age yet. And when I arrived, everyone was white British. This was def very different to what I was used to back in the Congo. Everyone seemed to know each other, which of course they would have because that I came in the middle of a school year. And so when I walked into this small village school, I said hello in the only way I knew how, and that was bonjour, because my first language was French. When I said that, the whole class erupted with laughter and I vowed from that moment that I was never gonna speak French again. And I tried my very best to try to have a British accent even in the way I speak. And to this day, it has affected me. I was so nervous at break times that I would, um, I would, I wouldn't put my hand up. I, I, would, uh, I wouldn't ask to go to the toilet and so I'd end up wetting myself. I remember um, going out into the playground and being too scared to go into the middle of this playground and so I'd hide in the, uh, by the corner of the hut, not daring to venture out into this sea of white faces. I, I was so fearful and felt so exposed and in a completely isolating situation. I just remember being so nervous and wondering to myself, why am I here? Why am I here? There's been a few times where I've had to ask myself that too, even more recently. And I want to ask you the question as well. Have you ever thought, why am I here? Or I just don't fit in. Perhaps you've wondered whether you're worthy to be in a, in a place. Maybe you feel that no one wants you there, no one understands you, or that you feel isolated. This morning, I want to speak to you about a man called Jesus. And we're going to hear a story where he encountered a woman who felt utterly desperate, who did not fit in and who thought that she was unworthy to have anyone's attention, let alone Jesus's. And so Paul's going to read this encounter from Luke chapter 8. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So at this moment in Jesus' life, he's quite popular. 
you can see that all the crowds are, are gathered around him and they want to hear him speak. They want to hear him, see him perform miracles and heal people. And we get this scene right at the start of verse 42 when it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. So just picture the scene with me for a moment. There is large crowds. It's, imagine the kind of Glastonbury scene, scene. Everyone is crowded around and the, the main like, performer is, is on the stage. He's speaking and a woman comes through the crowd and she's been bleeding for 12 years. The passage says that no one could heal her. She sought out medical attention, but so far there's been no cure. And it's worth asking ourselves, who is this woman? First of all, we, we see that she is a woman. And although it's not much the case now, back in the Jewish culture, she would have been considered a second-class citizen. And we've heard a little bit about that throughout this series. It was the men who would be counted in the census. It was the men who would have a, a voice and could vote. It was the men who would have been closest to Jesus to hear him talk and be allowed in the synagogues or in certain parts of it anyway. So not only has she got that barrier facing her, but she's also bleeding. She had this kind of illness that meant that she had had this disease for 12 years. Now, we don't know what kind of illness that must be, but I'm sure it can't be pleasant. She had consulted the medical professionals of the day and there was no one who could heal her. Because she was bleeding and ill, this meant that she was considered unclean. Which for Jewish society, it meant three things. It meant that she had to be in isolation. And so this bleeding, because it made her unclean, her husband would have disowned her, her family wouldn't be around her, she wouldn't have felt love, acceptance, comfort, she would have been isolated. Secondly, it meant that under no circumstances was she allowed to touch anyone else, let alone a man, let alone a rabbi who is the great speaker. And then thirdly, she would have to declare her presence. Unclean, unclean coming, coming through. through. She'd have to declare it, to tell people that she was not meant to be in their presence and at least that they should go nowhere near her. It was the culture of the day. She certainly wouldn't have been approved on for creeping through a large crowd of people infesting them as they would have felt it would be. So then the next verses say this, Verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Oh my word, this is outrageous. What on earth is she doing? This is just so unreal. She touched the man, and not only a man, but Jesus, the rabbi, the, the great teacher, the one that all the crowds have flocked to see. This is outrageous. I mean, the nerve that she had to do such a thing is astonishing. And the rest of the verse goes on and it says, Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She was healed, and that is amazing. Straight away, she, the healing has come. I mean, imagine the relief that she must have felt, having sought after and trusted that this person could heal her, having, having taken the, the social risk of exclusion and embarrassment to press through and creep through the crowds to, to get close to him, and then to, to have the, the nerve to touch him. That Faith was unreal and she is healed. 
relief must have run through her body. But then trepidation. She must be thinking, oh, this is great. But now I need to get out of here. I need to make my escape before anyone notices. She knew that she had been healed. I mean, I guess if you had had an illness like that, you would as well. She knew that and she then needs to make her getaway. And as she's getting ready to go away and to creep out of the crowds, she hears Jesus speaking and he says, who touched me? I mean, just imagine the shock on her face. How does he know? Everyone around them denies it. That's what the next part of that, that verse says, that everyone's denied it. And then Peter, one of the disciples, he pipes up and he says, Master, look at everyone crowded around you, pressing against you. He's kind of saying, come on, Jesus, how can you ask who touch you? Everyone's squashed in together. What a ridiculous question, who touched me? What are you saying, Jesus? At this moment, perhaps the woman is oh, phew, maybe, maybe I'm going to be all right because, you know, Peter's kind of got my back here and obviously he doesn't know and, you know, she's, she's off again and trying to creep away. And then again, Jesus said, verse 46, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. How does he know, she must be thinking. Maybe he is really the son of God. He knows I've touched his cloak, not even him, but his cloak. Just pause from the story a moment. This woman that's been bleeding, who is unclean, she's touched the greatest Bible preacher of the day and of all history. And the punishment for that was death and death by stoning. The Jewish people thought that if you were unclean and you touch someone else, and that makes the other person unclean too. I mean, imagine what this girl must be feeling. I'm definitely in the wrong crowd. I'm in the wrong place. I just shouldn't be here. And not only that is that, you know, she spent the last 12 years with this illness. She's finally been healed. And now I'm going to get killed. Now, you know, I might be healed, but this is the end for me. Maybe I should just give in. Maybe I should just say what happened. After all, I'm never going to get away with this. Somehow, this man, Jesus, he knows, he knows what's happened. And so verse 47, back into the story, it says, Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she, she realises, she comes trembling. Of course, she's trembling for her life. And fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. I mean, this is amazing. She, she admits it. She comes and declares and she must be carrying her face, hidden, covering because she's getting ready for those stones to start hitting her. Everyone is expecting Jesus to give the execution order. They would all be starting to look at the ground, probably searching, well, which stone am I going to throw? Which stone are you going to throw? Because we've got to get her. They would be looking around. This woman, I mean, how dare she touch him? How dare she even come into this gathering with her disease, making us all unclean and then touching the rabbi? Oh man, is she going to get it, they're thinking. And then in verse 48, when we're expecting that thumb to go down for Jesus to give the execution order, he says these words, daughter. I mean, what affection, what love, what grace, what connection 
daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I mean, the astonishment that must have been on everyone's faces. What are you talking about, Jesus? She deserves to die. She's in the wrong place. This is unbelievable. This poor woman who has been alone, isolated, seeking a solution to a problem, seeking acceptance, which she wouldn't have had in a family or a husband, seeking love. She finds it for the first time in the face of Jesus. In Jesus, she finds full acceptance. In Jesus, she finds someone who's not condemning her to death, but someone who brings life and life to the full. In Jesus, she finds healing and restoration. She finds open arms and wholeness. This is wonderful news for us today because the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so there's three quick things that I want to pull out. And that first one is that Jesus is God. When the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today and forever, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus is God. And people thought that when someone who was unclean touches you, you become unclean. And that's true. That's what they thought. But in Jesus, we find the one who he doesn't become unclean when he's touched. No, he helps make others clean and whole. He is God. He has power over all things, over all sickness and diseases, decays and disease, infirmities and all situations. When unclean people, when sinful people, when people that are full of shame and and, uh, just illnesses come to him, do you know what? He can make them clean. Jesus is alive today and does the same for you and for me as we encounter him. You need to know that Jesus is God. However bad you think you are, however shameful you feel your life might be, however far from God you feel you might be, however smeared you think your life has become. Do you know what? When you encounter Jesus and when you put your trust in him, he makes you whole. Maybe you've been a Christian and you've kind of messed up along the way. I mean, haven't we all? Well, I want you to know that Jesus' love for you is the same as the first day you put your trust in him. And you can come into his presence and he will make you whole again and again and again. If you're a Christian here today and, you know, someone comes into our church from a sinful situation, you know, it's so easy for us to be judgmental, to look down on them and to think that their sin or their shame brings down the church. But we all need to know that God is so much bigger than that. That was what the Pharisees thought of the day, that when someone with sin and disease comes into their presence, that that brings everyone down. But Jesus shows, no, no, no. He elevates everyone up and makes them whole and brings life and love and acceptance. You know, um, we all need to know that God is bigger than this. After all, we were all sinners and it was whilst we were sinners that Christ died for us. And we are now called, even in that state, a holy nation, a chosen people, God's children. And that's not because of all that we've accomplished. No, but it's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so, yes, at Hope Church, I want you to know that all are welcome to come into God's presence, to be in our midst, to encounter God with us together, because we're not a bunch of perfect people. No, no, we're all imperfect, seeking a perfect God. He welcomes the woman and he welcomes you too because Jesus is God. Second thing you need to know is that 
you can know Jesus' love today. Jesus understands us and he loves us. He doesn't care about social hierarchies and procedures and political correctness and the right things to do and where people are allowed to go or aren't allowed to go. No, he accepts everyone. He cares about the individual. Not long after this, it's those same religious elite that are, are, are looking on this situation and aghast. They're the same ones that go on and fight for him to be crucified. Because they were outraged that he spoke of himself as God, point one, but also that he accepted people like this woman. You can know Jesus' love today. You know, God knows you and he wants you to get to know him. So if you've never encountered him before, you can pray to him and invite him into your life and he will reveal himself to you just like he does to this woman. It might be that you're already a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You know, and you can fall into the trap of thinking, well, I shouldn't, shouldn't sin anymore. I should know better. That when I sin again and again, oh God, he can't forgive me again, can he? Well, when we think like that, do you know what? It drives a wedge into our relationship with God. And we start to become distanced from him because we don't believe that he loves us enough to forgive us again for those things. And so we stop talking to him and stop believing that his love is the same for us now as what it was when we first encountered him. I just believe today that God is calling you back to him. Maybe it's been a long time that you've, you've been at church, you've, you've done all the things, you've read the Bible, but you've just felt distance from him. I want you to know that as you come, you know, your sin and your shame, he nailed it to the cross. And as you come into that relationship with him again, as you, as you repent, as you say sorry, as you grow in relationship with him, then he makes you whole and he makes you clean and you can trust him. He is faithful to forgive your sins now just as much as he was back then. Just like the woman, your uncleanness does not make him dirty, but he makes you whole. So let's all surrender either for the first time or for the hundredth time, our lives again and accept his goodness and his grace. You can know Jesus' love today. And then the third thing is that Jesus has authority to heal. It might be today that you are sick, that you have pain somewhere and you need healing. Do you know Jesus is not dead, but he is alive and he continues to heal people today. I've seen it. I know it. I can't heal you. But Jesus can, and he has authority to do exactly that. God can heal people naturally through their bodies, the way he's made us. They naturally are constantly healing themselves. God can also heal us through intervention. He gives us doctors and medicine and scientists to, to help us. But he can also heal supernaturally. Where diseases have been given a certificate, uh, or a life sentence where no cure has been found. Do you know what? Just like this woman, God is able to supernaturally heal. Where you have sought help and advice and nothing has changed, you know what? They're not the final word to God. He can heal in ways that do not seem natural and that's because he is supernatural just like his son Jesus. Everything about Jesus' life was supernatural even from his birth. It's worth pausing though. And asking the question, well, what happens if I don't get healed? Or, I've been praying for a long time for healing and it hasn't come. What does that mean? 
How do I handle that? You know, the Bible shows us many cases where people are healed, but it also reveals to us times when people are not healed. Job, for example, he goes through lots of hardship and ill health. Joseph is sold into slavery and he suffers greatly there. Paul has a thorn in his flesh and it's thought of as some kind of ailment that he's struggling with. But for Job, it was growth in his faith through hardship that God chose not to heal him. For Joseph, it was for the saving of many lives that God chose not to restore him from that slavery and that punishment. For Paul, he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So for Paul, God chose not to heal for greater power in his ministry. And that's why God didn't heal him. Sometimes God heals. Sometimes God doesn't. But when he doesn't, that's not due to a lack of authority to heal, but due to a greater work that he is doing. You know, often we can perceive our healing as the greatest good that God could possibly do in our situation. But God has done so much more by sending his son Jesus. The greatest miracle of your life is that Jesus laid down his life for you on that cross for your sins so that you can have an eternal relationship with God, a restored fully healed relationship with God. Jesus declared to that woman, go in peace. This peace doesn't come from the healing, but it comes from Jesus's salvation and her faith in him. It's your faith that's healed you, he says. I trust that God's wisdom can surpass even my earthly perspective. And you know what? This really helped me when my dad was dying on his deathbed. Because I was able to have hope that in healing, God is sovereign. And you know what? In death, God is sovereign. And he's able to bring ultimate healing and ultimate peace to my dad because of his faith in him. And that was the best, most wonderful, supernatural gift that God gives to those who love him. God has authority to heal. And he chooses to do that even today across the world in many ways. And he calls us to pray for it. And do you know what? Sometimes he doesn't heal. That's his prerogative. But there's always a greater good at work that he is doing through that, which sometimes right now from our perspective, we can't understand. But we're called to trust in his wisdom and not in our own earthly perspective. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus is God. Jesus loves you and you can know him today. And Jesus has authority to heal. At the beginning, I asked that question, have you ever thought, why am I here? I just don't fit in. I'm not worthy to be here. No one wants me in this place. No one understands me. Well, do you know what? In the man, Jesus You can find someone who knows you, who loves you, who accepts you, who wants a relationship with you, who forgives all your sins, who doesn't hold them against you, who doesn't begrudge them from you, but wants to fill you with his presence and his life, to give you life to the full, to to enjoy with him a relationship, a restored relationship to the Father. 
He demonstrated his love for us in this encounter with the bleeding woman and his response to her is the same as his response to those seeking him today. He reveals that he is God and that he is sovereign. He reveals that he loves you and he accepts you and he wants you to come into his presence with all your sin and your shame and all the things that you feel might make you unclean. And do you know what? He can bring you peace through healing in this life, but ultimate healing uh, when we come into encounter God again through death. Hope mattered to this woman. Hope matters to Andy. Hope matters to me in my life. Hope matters to Guildford. And this is why we're called Hope Church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray right now that you would fill our hearts and our lives with your, with your love and your, your grace Thank you, Lord God, for this encounter that you had with the bleeding women. Thank you for the radical example, the countercultural example of how you show her acceptance and love, that, that you don't uh, go along with the rest of the crowd and the social norms and conventions of the day, but you radically break through them to bring healing and wholeness to the individual in front of you. Thank you, Lord God, that for every single one of us, you encounter us in the same way, that no one is too far gone from, for, for you. And I just pray that anyone listening to this, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord God, would you draw near to them. Lord, as they come and as they say sorry for the things they've done wrong and, and admit, like the women did, admit what's gone on, that you would encounter them and that you would show your grace and your love to them like we know you do. For those of us, Lord, that have been Christians for a long time and sometimes can feel distant from you, I pray, draw us near again, reminding us of that love and acceptance that you give us daily. Lord God, help us to trust in you again in our journey with you. And Lord, I pray for all those right now that are experiencing suffering in some way through ill health, through uh, mental or emotional poor well-being. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring your healing to them. And I pray for every single one of us that that we would expect you through your spirit to come and encounter us supernaturally and trusting, Lord God, that if you don't, that we can still love you and worship you, knowing, Lord God, that you are about a work, a good, Lord, that even we can't perceive or understand. And so I just pray, Lord God, for all those who perhaps have been praying for years for, for illnesses and not seen breakthrough. Lord, actually, right now, I pray, just like you said to that woman, would they go in peace? Knowing, Lord, the joy that, they, that you have given them in the Son, Jesus. The greatest miracle they could ever need or ask for. Knowing that that is the best thing you could possibly done. And still seeking you each day for, for the healing that we might need now in this short term uh, period of, of our lives whilst we're here on earth. Lord, I thank you that you bring hope to each of us. And I pray, Lord God, that we would know that hope in our lives, that it would bring great joy and revelation, that we would be a great encounter to others as we have encountered you, and that we would accept people into the church, into our midst, in, into our homes, just as you have accepted us. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.